If you've ever got a student to do something by calling it a game, you might be a teacher. Being a teacher sometimes means finding ways around limitations, problems, or struggles to keep things on track. We learn to improvise and adapt. But when it comes to teaching language arts in our school, we don't have to find workarounds. Loyola Press took the long view when they created Voyages in English, the brilliant K-8 language arts program. The fundamentals of grammar and writing that students learn enable them to become effective writers, which can help improve performance on standardized tests and grow into successful communicators. The flexible framework of Voyages in English is adaptable to any teaching style and any student's abilities. With practice, the mechanics build in complexity over time. It just all works together. Visit voyagesinenglish.com to learn more, then order a sample. With Voyages in English, there are no crazy workarounds, just solid help for today's language arts teachers. Catholic Teachers Lounge with Jill and Colleen. Welcome to the Catholic Teachers Lounge, the only podcast by Catholic school teachers for Catholic school teachers. I'm Jill. I'm here with Colleen. We are grateful to be together again to laugh, explore, and connect. Thank you to Loyola Press for sponsoring us and for you, the teachers, for doing what you do every day. Colleen, we constantly get a question and I want to pose it to you. <laughs> okay. How are I'm you? I'm doing today? great. What do you got? We always get the question. This happens to both of us where people say, oh, can you help us with classroom management? And the first thing that I think of is the undergrad class. Like there's always an undergrad class that's called classroom management. And it's very vague because mm. in that moment you don't even have a classroom. Mm. So I don't know what you're trying to manage at that point. I remember feeling really like, what is this class about? Because I don't even have a class yet. So, you know, that's, it's a buzzy phrase and, and maybe I shouldn't say it's buzzy. It's an actual concept of how do you manage your classroom? But, um, but what does it make you think of? Oh, a lot of things. Okay. So like going back to, you know, the, the beginnings, you're right. Like we didn't actually have a class on, this is how you manage a class, right? Like this is, this is what you can expect. And then we this did, is, but you can't do anything in it. Yeah. Cause it's all theoretical. It's all theoretical. We had one called classroom but management. It's theoretical. Yeah. Theoretically. Cause there's yeah, nothing you can do with You're it. supposed to manage the class. Like I okay. get it. I get it. I've babysat. Like I get what I'm supposed to do here, but like, what's the class supposed to be? <laughs> okay. So when, and actually it is not the term classroom management that I get usually. Um, I get a lot of requests mm -hmm. for professional development on how to manage behaviors, behaviors. Uh -huh. so, so in my mind now, what, te what teachers are asking me for is help me manage my classroom, help me manage these student behaviors. And they are, and uh -huh. it's with a, um, it, like they don't like the behaviors that they're seeing and they don't know what to do with them. That's, that's what I'm getting. Sure. So does that make sense to you? It does. And um, behaviors of society have mm -hmm. changed over time. So, you know, conceptually, you see what's acceptable out in society, how we act, how we dress, how we interact with each other. Like this is this goes in in waves. And so kids are behaving differently post pandemic. They're acting differently in this generation. And it just that's just the changing times. You can't expect everyone to act 
the same way as my bishop says, you can't put the toothpaste back no. in the tube. So kids may act differently now, or maybe they've always acted this way. And as we get older, we just have, have we just want it to it. be calmer, quieter. <laughs> yeah, we have less tolerance for kid behavior. Um, but I could see where you get that question a lot. Although, People are unsure what to I'm do. Not sure, Jill, because there's one thing. It's funny, like at you know when 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 I'm working with different groups of teachers, the term that keeps getting thrown out there is blurting. And the first time that I was in, was doing a professional ah, development and I'm a blurter. Able, I'm a, that's what I said. I'm a blurter too. <laughs> just I'm, a blurter. It. Oh, I'm a blurter. My blurters. Oh, you're me. All that's blurters me. in my house. So it's like, Oh boy, let's, okay. <laughs> let's not judge the blurters too harshly people. Anyway, but <laughs> I said, Oh, I think blurting came about when my son entered the, um, yeah, the, the elementary school realm, but no blurting is like, I, I remember kids talking out and, you know, when I was a teacher, I'd be like, okay, you can't just mm -hmm. yell out, right? You either, you need to wait your turn or you need to signal that you want to say something. But, um, I mean, teachers are like, no, like these kids just like yell stuff out randomly or, and it's in the term is blurting. And Crystal, who was with me doing this one particular professional development, Crystal Brooks was like, okay, I've never heard that term before. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, oh, mm. wow. So, um, yeah, I don't know. Is blurting a, a new thing and, and how do we control it? But here's the thing. Like I, and you, you may disagree with me, but here's, here's what I am um, discovering and, and trying to help teachers to understand is that be the behaviors that you're trying to control, whatever the behavior is, is a communication. So a, a student is, um, and I'm, I'm not trying to oversimplify here, but but this is the truth. So whatever the communication is, whether it's an eye roll, whether it's back talk, whether it's getting up and walking around the classroom, whatever the behavior is, it's a communication to you about something that that student is thinking, feeling, whatever, and doesn't actually have the tools to communicate appropriately to you. And so my question is always, well, what are we doing to explicitly teach communication skills at each age appropriate level? Because again, like I, I go around the country, I work with schools and they all expect their students at some point in time to become effective communicators here in, in the Western part of the country, they're called school wide learning expectations. That's part of our accreditation protocol here mm -hmm. in the West. And everybody has SLEs. And I'm telling you like 99% of the time, effective communication communicator is an SLE. And so if that is something that you expect of all of your students, and when they graduate from your school and they move on, you're expecting them to have a toolbox of effective communication skills. Well, Jill, I know some adults who still don't have, they're still working on their effective communication skills, right? So how with children who don't have the same social experiences that you and I had when we were kids, like I tell my kids, I used to go out, run around with the neighborhood kids. Like it was a constant social interaction, learning social interaction from peers and from kids older than me and what that all meant. And these, our current students don't have those experiences. So how are we supposed to expect them to have skills if we're not, if they're not showing up to school with them, which should they? Well, I don't know if they should. It would be nice if they did, because once upon a time we showed up with communication skills, but they're not anymore. So how are we explicitly teaching mm -hmm. age-appropriate communication skills to kids so that they can communicate with us? And how are we responding to what it is that they're communicating with us, whether we like it or not? That's the other question. Is mm -hmm. So teachers, here's a toolkit for how to respond appropriately. Am I rambling? 
<laughs> well, no, 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 no. You're on your soapbox a little bit, but it's fine because what I'm thinking about is is the practical. So everything you're saying, like, let me give you an example from this week. So I walk into a classroom and kids are kind of blurting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, I'm the visitor. I run the school and I'm walking in to these kids kind of just shouting across the room. And some of it is constructive and some of it is distracting. And so you can't quite hear what's coming out of the teacher's yes. mouth. They're having discussion, but it's so out of protocol that if I was listening and I haven't contributed yet, I wouldn't know what in the world is happening in this conversation. Like it, it needed to come down a notch. And so in this moment, I'm learning, like, what could you do? Well, I could have, or the teacher could have paused and said, I need you, or I could have said, as someone listening in, we need to have a little bit more protocol. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, teaching high school level communication, uh, whether the, whether this teacher says you have to raise your hand is, you know, in real life, you're not going to raise mm-hmm. your hand. So take a second to take a breath before you jump in or, or even teaching the patterns of like, um, you know, you can get really protocoled and say at the at middle school and high school level, you can teach the protocols of accountable talk where you say things like, as Henry can, as you know, I'm going to add to what Henry just said and point to Henry mm-hmm. or look at Henry or say, um, opposed to what Susie said, or I disagree with Jose. I think blah, blah, blah. So you acknowledge other people in the conversation, not always the teacher. And the teacher might need to call on people or might not. But when we say things like blurting, again, this is teachable. We have to teach kids the, these things. Now, when I think of classroom management and behaviors, I well, I'm always a curriculum brain. That was my master's degree. That was my you know, my life for a while. And so I think about good lesson plans. So while you're thinking about individual behaviors and what they're teaching kids, I'm thinking a lot about, well, if your lesson plan is robust and these kids' brains are working from bell to bell or throughout the whole segment of learning, then you're not going to have management problems because they have a lot to do. They have things to accomplish. They have a to-do list. They have a due date. They have, there's things to do. And so if your lesson plan is interactive and gets them moving and feels purposeful, and it feels like that every single day, then you're not going to have management problems. You're not going to have side conversations going on because uh, they're they're using every instructional minute. So that's where my brain goes when I get questions like that uh, about behaviors or about classroom management. You go in a different mode because your background's different than mine. But I think I always think curriculum, and then you you think about each learner because you know about learner differences. Okay, so uh, let's yeah. Uh, uh, oh my gosh, I know we're going to run out of time. <laughs> I know we're running out of time. Okay, me. we're going to run out of time. So here's what I'm going to say, Jill. L- let's let's go ahead and let let the bell ring us out. But I want to come back because I do have an answer to what you just said. So we're going to come back to that in a different episode. Okay. We right, sure so will. There's the bell. Oh, okay. Thanks for the energy boost as we love exploring your ideas and affirming your efforts. Keep the suggestions coming in and tune in tomorrow. We're going to keep going. So tune in tomorrow. We're going to keep this uh, energy going. See you next time.